Pastor Ray Bentley on God's plan for our lives. God's goal for your life and mine is maturity. Too often our prayers are spent wanting to be sheltered from the very things that will bring that maturity and trustworthiness. God cannot build our character without our cooperation. If we resist Him, He will chasten us into submission. If we choose to submit to Him, He will accomplish His work, and that is our maturity. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Water prefers to travel the path of least resistance. And we're a lot like water droplets in how we prefer the path of least resistance in our lives. We avoid problems. We like the easy road. Today, Pastor Ray points out that God sometimes takes us on the rough road to turn us into the people He wants us to be. All right, James chapter one. The title of the message is A Surrendered Will. And he starts off here, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So this is so early that there are no missionaries that have gone out or even Gentiles who have come into the family yet. It is to the 12 tribes of Jews who are now scattered. Greetings. Verse two, he says, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James, you know, what would this half-brother of our Lord, what would he exhort us today? And, and what parallels can we draw from that time, 2,000 years ago, to today? First of all, uh, if you were Jewish, you're already a minority within the world. And 2,000 years ago, guess what? The Roman Empire had stationed a lot of military in Israel. Why? Because there was always trouble and rebellions and wars and you know civil wars breaking out in the Middle East. Uh, 2,000 years later, times haven't changed all that much. And there was problems there. There was also persecution for this minority. But if you were a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, you were a minority within a minority. And they were probably going through a variety of trials. Some who said, no, I believe, I've heard the gospel, I believe in Yeshua, that he is the Messiah, were losing jobs. Some were being ostracized or kicked out of their families. Some were not being given promotions. Others, they just would turn their backs upon them. So there was a financial cost in being a believer in Jesus and, and follower of His. Let alone there was the Roman persecution that was coming. It was politically unstable times. There were a variety of trials. How do we respond as those who are part now of God's family? James says, count it all joy. He says, rejoice. And the reason that he says rejoice is that God wants us to be mature sons and daughters. His passion is that we all grow up and be mature, that we be like Jesus. And maturity is evidence that I am able to have the joy of the Lord, the relationship that I have with God. 
And that joy, even if all things on the outside around me are falling apart, my joy is not contingent upon those things out there, but it's contingent upon my personal inward relationship with the Lord. And nothing can take that away from me. Now there will be tests and there will be challenges and there will be trials that test that. So you have to purpose, you have to count it all joy. And uh, so here's what I'd like to ask you guys to do. I want you to give me your biggest smile. Go ahead and smile. Let me see, and I want you to know I can see you guys. I can see every one of you. Let me see your, hopefully you brushed your teeth, but a nice big smile. Okay, now turn next to somebody and smile. Would you just smile at them? Just smile. Now, you know what? I want you to know this. That's how God wants you to live. It is the will of God that you rejoice. It is the will of God that you experience joy every day. That doesn't mean that there aren't hardships or losses or people in your family have passed away or maybe that you've lost your job or a variety of things. But nothing can take away our joy. In Nehemiah, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, not the joy of your circumstances or the joy of the things that God has given to you. And I, here's what I have found in my life. God is far more interested in my maturity sometimes than I am. <laughs> I, I like to enjoy life and, and I, I like to be blessed and comforted and, and God prospers and surrounds his children uh, with many benefits. In fact, that's the complaint Satan had against Job. God was bragging about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Look at Job, he's so in love with me, I love that boy. And Satan goes, well, why not? Look at you, bless him left and right. He's surrounded with, with blessings. You take that hedge of all the prospering and all the goodies and all the blessings from him, you take that away, and here was Satan's accusation, he'll curse you. Because he's not really, and, and the accusation was, he doesn't really love you, he loves all the goodies that you give to him. Well, apparently, behind the scenes, that is something that God, our Father in heaven, is working on. I have an idea, and, and I've tested it by experience, that when you become a brand new believer in the Lord, it, it is the most, you remember when you first got saved, how that lightness, where the, the guilt and the burden, when you finally said, oh, I know, I am a sinner, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, wash me, cleanse me in your blood, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I, I, it was like weight lifted off my shoulders. And all of a sudden, everything was alive. I felt like every cell in my body was alive. And God surrounds you and he blesses you. And, and we, because we're so young, we are in love with the Lord. And we also love that special cocoon of protection around us. But because God loves us, the time comes where he begins to withdraw some of that seeming barrier of comfort. He himself never leaves you, never abandons you, is always there. But as we grow and mature and in that he's interested in that maturity, he wants us to trust in him, not trust in the things or the blessings or the abundance or the prosperity that he gives to us. And therefore, James says, let patience have its perfect work. A real sign of maturity as a believer is having patience. 
And we could say on the other side that a sign or a signal of immaturity is impatience. Now you know the story of, of Abraham. Abraham was a beautiful, mighty, deep, loving, reverent, faithful, obeying son to his father. And God made a promise to Abraham and Abraham said, I believe in you. <laughs> Our father in heaven, he, he wants so badly for us to trust in him. And when we believe, he gets so excited. He said to Abraham, I credit it to you as righteousness that you just believed in the promise I gave. And so Abraham did very good, prom believing in the promise of God about his son. But Abraham then grew impatient. And it was the impatience of Abraham and Sarah that got them into trouble, and even to this day. God works all things together for good, and God eventually had a plan, as I mentioned, for both Ishmael and for Isaac. But impatience, that is something that often gets us in trouble. Now in a sense, uh, something I put here in your notes, God cannot build our character without our cooperation. Now I realize that may not be the most perfect theological statement, but it's a spiritual truth and that God is interested, but he wants our cooperation. If we resist him, he will chasten us into submission. If we choose to submit to him, he will accomplish his work. And that is our maturity. God's goal for your life and mine is maturity. Too often our prayers are spent wanting to uh, be sheltered from the very things that will bring that maturity and trustworthiness. And Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 is an interesting verse. Let's read this scripture out loud together. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Listen, we need to really dial in our ability to be led by the Holy Spirit in the times in which we live. We need to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what happens outwardly. I believe that God wants to do great exploits. We have right here in our own country, as believers, a unique opportunity to shine. Because when others who, who have put maybe more of their heart and more of their trust in finances and their riches, and now having seen that evaporate, they are deeply troubled. Now, being human, we may be affected by that, but is our money the source of our joy? Or is the Lord the source of our joy? Count it all joy when you experience various trials and let patience have its perfect work. Because the truth of the matter is, the Bible says, how you came into the world is the same way you're gonna leave. Naked came I into the world. I brought nothing with me. And guess what, when you leave, you're gonna go out the same way you came in. You don't take anything with you. As my friend Greg Laurie says, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul behind it. <laughs> you don't get to take anything with you. In the end, when you and I die, when we leave this world and go to the next, the only thing we carry with us is the treasure that is inside of us. And that's why you wanna make sure Jesus is there and that your character has grown and developed for Him. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was a very kind and friendly pastor. He will be greatly missed. 
He, of course, is enjoying the full essence of God's glory. We will see him again someday. Heavenly Father, please bless his wife, family, and church members. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Prayers and messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now the importance of weaning. Surely one difficult stage of growing up is weaning. A young child being weaned is sure that his mother no longer loves them and, and everything is now against them. But we know that there comes a point in a child's life where they must be weaned from their mother's milk so that they can have the wide variety of diet they need in order to grow physically to maturity. And sometimes God has to wean us away from things that when we were young Christians or baby Christians, he weans us away from those things and immature attitudes so that we can grow up and be mature and wait upon him and be patient. So let me ask you a question. Are you experiencing areas in your life that God is seeking to wean you away from? The worst response we can have is to say, well, is to pout, which is what kids do. Well, then I'm not gonna, you know, if you're not gonna do that, then I'm not gonna read the Bible for a while then. Well, I just won't pray, it doesn't work anyway. And you know, you, you kind of are maybe not overtly thinking that, but you begin emotionally distancing yourself from the Lord and you don't really worship. You maybe just mouth the words or sit through that time of worship and you read, but you don't really meditate and let it sink in. And there's a distance that grows there. Well, you're pouting, that's immature. Embrace whatever weaning that God has, then rejoice because God loves you. And here's what I want you to know. The relationship that that I have with God is so unique. The way that I hear the Lord, the way that he speaks to me, the way that, that he shows me things, the way he reveals himself to me is very, very, very unique. It really is one of a kind. Because God is interested in a personal relationship with each and every one of you. And I assure you that the way God ministers to you, the way God speaks to you, the way that God gets your attention, the way that the Lord leads you, the way he reveals himself to you, the things that suddenly he takes the blinders off and you become aware of are unique, absolutely, totally and completely to you. God literally has as many individual unique relationships as there are men and women created in his image and after his likeness. It's a marvelous and a wonderful thing. There are principles of the kingdom that we learn that we all live by. And there is a character of Christ that is similar that we will all be like. But in the end, we're all individuals and we will all reflect him in a different and a unique way. So rejoice in the Lord and know that God loves you personally and uniquely. Now go with me to verse nine. He says that we need wisdom to get through the trials and now he uses an analogy of where you are financially and the kind of wisdom, this is divine wisdom 
for wherever we are financially right now. It must have been an impact for those early believers 2,000 years ago, and it seems very appropriate for us today. Verse 9, he says, let the lowly brother or the poor brother or sister glory in his exaltation. But the rich, let them glory or exult in his humiliation or humility. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, he, he, he begins by saying that if you are poor, if you are uh, in, a, in a state where you are challenged financially, he says, then glory in the fact that God has given you a high position in the kingdom of heaven. God esteems you very highly. <laughs> you may feel very low and very ignored. And even still to this day, we, as our supposedly so educated modern culture, uh, still have lifestyles of the rich and the famous. And play on that, that if you're not rich and you're not famous, then are you really that important? In the Lord's economy, you are. So this is a, uh, what we call a paradox. If you're poor, you are highly valued and esteemed in heaven. A paradox. The Bible has many paradoxes. Have you noticed there are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible? What is a paradox? Webster's defines paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, and yet is perhaps true. The Bible tells us the weak are actually strong, the empty, are actually full. The slave is actually free. The cursed are actually blessed. And that death brings life. Virtually everything you read in the Bible seems, as it were, uh, backwards to the way we're used to. But it makes sense. How many of you would agree with me that a lot of things in this world are absolutely upside down anyway? So if the Bible tells us something different as a paradox, all it's doing is turning it right side up which is what the kingdom of heaven really is all about. G.K. Chesterton was a writer from England. He described a paradox like this. A paradox is a truth standing on its head, shouting for attention. <laughs> so maybe God is seeking to get your attention that if you are poor, you are highly favored and highly esteemed. That's what James tells us. He's ministering to a group of Jewish believers who are persecuted and scattered and suffering, and much of it probably because of their faith in the Messiah. And James says, take pride or boast or exult in your lofty position before God. He says, and why would he say that? Why would he say that? First of all, because of who you are, because of your relationship with God, your identity in Jesus Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter eight, verse 17. Let's read this scripture out loud together. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Um, how many of you know who uh, Warren Buffett is, the billionaire? All right. Let's just say you found out, he, he wrote you a letter and said, hey, I just found out you're related to me. And I want you, when I'm, when I'm gone, I want you to share in your inheritance. And your portion, I know this is going to be shocking to you, but your portion is going to be $100 million. How many would be okay with that letter arriving? <laughs> okay, well, listen. 
we have gotten a personal letter. And the letter happens to come from the wealthiest person in the entire universe. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He is Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He not only owns everything on this little speck called Earth, but throughout all the solar system and all the galaxies to the end of the universe and in heaven and everything beyond, and you are co-heirs with him. Now I have this, uh, this funny saying like sometimes if uh, Vicky and I will go down to this, the beautiful harbor in San Diego and you know, you like to walk by all those beautiful boats and these big, you know, multi, multi-million dollar yachts and all of this stuff. And, and people go, man, you know, that's so cool. I wish we could be rich like that and have all that. And I go, hey, man, don't worry about it. The Bible says that the meek shall inherit the whole earth. Do you know what that means? Meek means just be teachable uh, from Jesus. How many of you would allow Jesus to teach you whatever he wants? Okay, you're meek. You're going to inherit the whole earth. So here I'll pass on to you my philosophy. I never get jealous when I see the rich people's stuff and their jets and their planes and their yachts and all the rest. Because basically what the Bible says is it's our stuff and they're just taking care of it for us in the meantime. (laughs) But actually, (laughs) I'm like, man, buy more, you know. We're going to inherit it all. But really, we don't have to be jealous of anything. We're going to have things far, far greater than, than can be in yachts and boats and cars and jets and all the rest of it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. Let's read this scripture out loud. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Oh man, I can't wait for that day. Can't wait for that day to be with the Lord or for his kingdom to come. And I believe it's, it definitely is sooner than it's ever been before. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I tell you on the authority of scripture, if you have the the blood of Christ shed upon your soul for your sins, there is royalty in your veins. We are royalty. And you you don't have to be jealous of the kings and the queens, whether of England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and around the world, and all those beautiful romantic stories. We are royalty, according to what the Bible says. When God allows poverty in our lives, it is a measure of trust. God is actually saying, you know what? I see that son, see that daughter. I know that they're so in love with me. I can trust them with this high place and this high position. Pastor Ray Bentley, giving us important perspective, especially for the times we're living in now. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, A Surrendered Will. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com.
That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day, automatically, at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, The Cyrus Mandate and As the Days of Noah, both prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicle series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. And you can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.